Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Moss. And I'm her co-host, Alicia Mack. And you're listening to Divinely Violent. Today's topic is mat etiquette. What is it? Like unspoken rules that really you just have to figure out for yourself. Yeah. And if someone is like a stickler on it, they're going to say something to you once you do something wrong. But I feel like it's observed for the most part. And it and it's like also not held against you in the beginning. It's once you're supposed to know that people are like, ooh, but it's also a lot of the stuff I feel is more of an old school mindset, which it depends on what type of gym you come from, really, because a lot of this mat etiquette stuff is what I came up on. And when I went to other gyms, I was like, oh, what? So. <laughs> you mean you could just step on the mat and do jujitsu and not worry about offending anybody? Yeah. It, well, I don't know if it was like an offending thing. I think it was like under the guys of like oh it's a respect thing right so the mat, you respect the mats you respect the instructor so if the instructor has these uh parameters whatever you want to call them then this is what you're supposed to do or if the association whatever but like i went from my old gym which it's not even like i feel like the mat etiquette stuff once you're used to it it's whatever but when i went to another gym and other people didn't do it i've I found it to be like, ooh, I don't like that. Like, because it was so ingrained. Now I don't care. Like, now I'm like, whatever, that's fine. But like, in the beginning, I was very elitist about it. I was like, hey, I got my blue belt. You're a white belt. Turn your back to me when you tie your belt, bro. I earned this, (laughs) you know? I think it was kind of the opposite for me. Whenever I started cross-training, it was not cross-training, but traveling, more than anything. Um, I would travel with my husband when, before we had a baby and all of that. Um, we would go and and uh, work and just train wherever we were traveling. And it wasn't until I started going to other gyms when I realized like the some of the things that could be considered mat etiquette were just complete bullshit. And I was seeing all these different environments. And I was like, whoa, you mean you can just walk on the mat and everybody's cool and you don't have to worry about anything and you just go and do jujitsu and you have a good time and then you fucking leave. Whoa, it's insane. I guess it's kind of like the, I don't want to use the term, but I feel like it fits kind of, it's kind of like the hazing of the beginning of like, uh, like you're supposed to do things right to start. And then once you get to a certain point, you can be a little more like lackadaisical. Like that's, I feel like that's the mindset in those situations. Let's get into it. So people understand what we're talking about if they don't, if it's super unspoken. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. So the unspoken rules, we can start with the first one. And you've, I think you've already touched on it a little bit. And that's uh, turning away from the higher belts when you uh, tie your belt. So like if you're during a roll or you're warming up or doing speed drills and your belt comes undone or falls off, which happens, you're supposed to, mat etiquette wise, by the old, more more the old standard, I feel, and just certain uh, associations require it, I guess. You're supposed to turn your back to anyone that's a higher belt than you. So other white belts, you can look them right in the face, tie your belt, but especially a black belt. 
that is the number one. You do not face a black belt tying your belt. This is the way that I came up. This is the way I was taught. And then, like I said, when I got my blue belt, I was like, I'm going to look right at you, white belt. Tie my belt. <laughs> but, like, we, we kind of, like, talked about this just, like, in our own talking. But, like, is that really about respect or is it about feeding an ego? So jujitsu is supposed to break down your ego, right? It's supposed to make you not have an ego. It's supposed to humble you. It's supposed to make you a better person. So like is making other people turn their back to you. Well, you're not making them, but is the culture of turning your back to a person when you tie your belt feeding an ego or showing them respect? It's a kind of a fine line. I feel. Yeah. Personally, I think that's feeding an ego. I don't think it should matter. Like your belt comes off. It's going to hit the ground. It's fine. Um, I've even been to places where they like kind of get mad if you don't wear the belt, if you don't put it back on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's just going to come off again in two seconds. Yep. Yep. Same. If I'm in the middle of a roll and my uh, belt comes off, a lot of the time I'll just like just leave it on the ground. I'll toss it to the side. I'm like, what's the point of putting it back on? Like, go ahead, grab my lapels. Let's, let's figure out how I can get out of this. Yeah. And then, you know, you will probably run into someone where your belt, everybody gets in the situation where belts come off and you get tangled in them. And if you roll with someone like my husband, he will tie you up in your own belt. If it's off, like he'll wrap it around your legs. (laughs) Just like, no, I'd rather just take the belts off, throw it to the side. I'll pick it up eventually. (laughs) I'll put it back on. But yeah, I do think that the, tying of the belt away from the upper belt. I do think that's feeding into an ego a little bit. I think if it is a tradition thing, like you can tell if it's an ego thing for some people. Blue belts, we all have those egos that haven't been broken yet, I feel, or we're getting to the point where we're a lot more humble. So like I said, like I've had my blue belt years. I don't like now I'm like, whatever, like white belt tap me. You know, like brand new person off the street, go ahead, hold me in bottom side control. I'll try to work out. I'm learning. I'm trying to get better. You know, turning their back to me, it's whatever. Like, especially I'm in a different, you know, association, a different gym now. So it, it's not even enforced or a thing there. So I, it's like you, you know, you roll with the punches, you get used to the environment. Um, The environment where I came from was not a toxic environment. Everybody was super cool. It wasn't very ego-driven at all, Um, but that was a norm to turn your back. So I think some of it is just tradition, um, and some of it can be construed as ego. It probably really depends on the person. Yeah, definitely if they're an asshole about it, I would question it. Not accepting someone because they don't understand, that's where things start to get a little tricky, especially when it comes to the asking upper belts to roll. The gym that I own, not the one that I currently train at, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody can ask anybody to roll. We prefer white belts not to, like brand new white belts, we prefer them not to roll with other white belts just because like safety reasons. Danger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's just spazzy plus spazzy equals injury. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to hurt themselves or it's going to get heated. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you're, you haven't broken that ego down a little bit. Sometimes testosterone 
just pure adrenaline will turn people into um, kind of an asshole. That monster. Yeah. Just, uh, just like raging white belts, it seems like. So we try to, at all costs. So you guys don't have that, which this gym I'm at doesn't have that either. And my original gym really didn't. It was more the, like the home, the centralized, the big gym that we were like a sh- offshoot of that it was more enforced. I would want to ask you, are you allowed to turn down when a higher belt calls you out? If, if your professor's like, hey, I'm going to roll with you. Are you allowed to say, no, I'm good? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't want to say allowed. I want to say like, is it frowned upon? Or would they be like, hey, what's the deal? You know? We have created a culture where if, if someone's not rolling or whatever, our instructors care. If it's, hey, I don't want to roll with you today, blah, 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 blah. Hey, bud, like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Let's sit and chat. Do you want to work on something? Do you have a question? Do you want to drill? There's always something else that is offered other than a roll. No one is required to roll with anybody. Agreed. I think, I mean, personally for me, I've asked like other female white belts that are newer. I'll be like, cause they've seen me roll with dudes, right? So they're like, oh, she smashes. And then I'll be like, hey, do you want to roll? And they're like, oh no, no, no. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to smash you. Like we can flow roll. I'll be nice, you know? And then usually they're like, oh, okay. But I feel like it can be intimidating. I don't want to say you shouldn't have the right to say, I don't want to. An upper belt asks you and you're like, no, I'm okay. And it's just because you're resting, like, be like, oh no, I'm resting. But if you're like, no, I'm good. I do feel like you should be like, I, I don't want to because, because they're your instructor. They should know where the uncomfortable, like, like you said, in your culture, like what's the uncomfortable part here? Like, is it rolling with that person in particular? Is there something they feel you know, is there something going on with them that day? Like maybe they just don't want to roll in general because in my experience, me personally, I'm just going to be completely transparent. If I asked like a lower white belt girl, especially to roll and like, we're cool as far as I know. And she says no, but then another person asks her to roll in that same instance. And she's like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I get my feelings hurt. Yeah. I'm like, well, what, what's the deal? Like, what did I do? That's making you feel like you're not comfortable with me and then addressing that when I'm not the you know instructor or the professor or the upper belt feels a little funny and also then I don't want to be like hey instructor she said no and it made me feel bad like you kind of just go meh it's like you said like I would just be like okay well I guess I won't ask them to roll anymore because apparently there's something that they don't want from rolls with me So when they're comfortable, they can come to me. But until that point, I'm going to just move on to the next. It does, it is a, it is a little bit like childish high school kind of, but like also it's my hobby too. I'm not going to hurt feelings, but I'm not going to spare feelings either. Like, okay, you don't want to roll with me. I'm going to go roll with someone else and you do you, buddy. Like you're here for you. You do you. I think my perspective on that one is different because of I think just my role in the women's group here I would personally like message them out of the gym and be like hey is everything okay you didn't want to roll with me are we cool because there are some people that I have rolled with and they just get sweet they turn into that that uh, I hate to call it but like turbo white belt (laughs) they turn into turbo white belt and you have to kind of address it I can't just not, um, I'm not a mat enforcer by any means, but I am going to enforce that you roll very safely with me. 
And if you're scratching, if you're being crazy, if you're flailing, you know, I'm going to have to just put it on you for a little bit and you're going to have to just suffer through it. We've all had to do it, but I don't think that roles like that, that get intense should affect your relationship. No, exactly. In those high intensity moments, everybody, your mindset changes. Like I'll be rolling with my fiance, the father of my child. And there'll be times when like, we're going super hard and I'll just get like, either one of us can get like, like very supercharged with our feelings that I'm like, ugh, like get off me. Like you're, you're too much right now. If I get like that with someone that I'm that comfortable with, the thing is later on, I could be like, sorry, I was just, you know, not feeling comfortable in that spot. I needed to get out. Like it wasn't good. Let's just go forward from here. You know, like we had those moments before lately I've been able to like bring down my like anger about being a small person rolling with a six foot six man. Like, obviously I'm not going to be on top the majority of the time. It's part of that Matt etiquette thing where like, you don't want to be that person that's like, Hey, what's wrong when you're there. But it is, especially in an instructor situation like you, it is something that should be addressed, but also I think that sometimes people just want to be left alone with like for, for a student to student. Like some people just want to be left alone with their decision-making and I'm cool with that. I feel like if you're a empathetic person or a person that has any like basic common sense, like you can tell if someone's avoiding you or if they're, you know, like just maybe weren't feeling it that day. And I think everybody has a right to make a decision on who they want to roll with in that way. And that's part of the a mat etiquette thing too. Like, Sometimes there's people that you know are going to be that smashy, mean person. There's nobody that's going to mat and force it out of them. Like until they get to that level where they're going to control themselves better, some people never do. And they also pay at that gym. They also come, you know, to do it too. So you kind of have to deal with them. But, you know, there's people that can roll with them and that it's not a big deal. But for a lot of women, and I've seen it, and I've been the, the woman too, where I'm just like, I'm not rolling with that dude. Like, if he stands up after rolls are done, I will straight up look the other way because I don't want to make eye contact. I don't want that situation again. I don't, because if someone says, hey, you want to roll? I never turn it down. I'm I'm that person on the mats where I'm like, cool, yeah, let's go. And then at the end of the roll, I'm going to have a hurt rib probably because <laughs> I've seen, you know, but like. Well, I used to be that exact same way and it literally took somebody hitting me dead in my nose so hard. I never stop during rolls. If I'm hurt or whatever, I just kind of push through it. Adrenaline does its thing. But I have never stopped and been like, what is your problem <laughs> to anybody before until that day? And and that was obviously a character building moment for myself. But I do think that if there are people that you just know they're going to roll rough or whatever, I will gladly tell those people to kick rocks. Like, nah. Yep, exactly. And then and then I'll go roll someone else and no shame. No shame in my game. And like we've talked about many times that I'm sure we will continue to bring up because people need to continue to remember this, you pay for this. It is your hobby or passion. So you do it on your t- no one else's. Yeah, definitely. I have actually let people bully me into rolling with them. And this was when I was a, in a, I was a white belt at this point should not have been rolling with this dude. And somebody should have said something to me going into it. Like I kind of wish somebody was like supervising, you know, it fucked up my shoulder for months 
I just like could not get my shoulder right. I like was having to do things differently and, and that's okay. But I was just like, wow, I should have just turned down that role. Like who cares if that blue belt just called me out? Like, fuck that person. They're three times my size. I shouldn't have done that. And, and my friends at, on the mat should have told me not to do it. So definitely find the people that'll watch out for you on the mats and, and give you that advice because I wish that I had that. Like I've been that, uh, I've been that person where like I watched a role when I was pregnant specifically, cause if not, I would have met and forced myself on this one, but I watched a role with a friend of mine who was, you know, I think she's got like seven, eight months experience. So she's like a new white belt, you know? And she was rolling with a purple belt male and I'm thinking it'll be good. But he was a new purple belt and he came in off the street, you know, a couple weeks prior. I had never rolled with him because I'm pregnant and I only rolled at that point with my instructor and my fiance because I'm like, this is my baby. I need to keep her safe. So I'm going to make sure I'm comfortable with who I'm rolling with and it's safe, right? So I didn't roll with him, but I was looking and watching just to see because, you know, I was an instructor at this point because I wasn't, you know, I was teaching rather than training um, in class. And uh, I'm watching from a distance and I watched this man double neon belly, a 140 pound female. I'm like, oh, I would have said something right then in there. Well, I went over to my instructor and I was like, dude, he just double neon bellied her and she screamed. And he was like, what happened? And, you know, like we all went over and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Because, you know, you're in that moment. You're like, okay, well, I'm the white belt. I'm the female. If I act weak, it'll make me look weak. So she was like, it's okay. It's okay. Later on, she was like, that hurt really bad. And I was like, I could tell I was watching. And then afterwards he was met and forced by the instructor, which duh, but in a very like, you know, he didn't destroy him. It was just like, Hey man, you know, this is not... Some people need to be mm-hmm. humbled. Exactly. Like, etiquette is for people who decide to practice it. It's not all good. And, you know, you're going to meet all types. So I think in some situations, like you said, the white belts or with white belts can be dangerous if they don't know each other and if they haven't been training for a while. But, like, even... Rolling with someone that comes in to try out your gym off the street can be dangerous too. If you don't feel confident, if you think, you know, I don't have enough experience, say no. Don't feel shame about it because it's safer to take care of yourself than to make yourself look tough for that one person that might not ever show up again to your gym. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, let's talk about a man. I feel like we're like digging on men a lot, which is fine because it's a woman podcast, but I don't want to like make it like all men in jujitsu are like bad or shitty, but um, this is a, a, a male thing really, but uh, another mat etiquette thing or like kind of like, it's kind of like uniform etiquette, mat etiquette kind of thing is um, whether or not a man wears a rash guard underneath his gi and uh for women, like for the most part, like we have to be covered up at least in this general area. And most women will wear a rash guard. I've seen women wear sports bras, but they're usually like teeny tiny women whose gi pants come up to like right under their boobs anyway. So it's like mostly covered. But um, rolling with a man without a rash guard, hmm, well, it's kind of gross. A lot of just fresh sweat directly to the face if you're in top side control as a woman or if you're in the on the bottom and they're passing like I've had smash and I've had nipples like go into my mouth 
Oh, gross. Man, you know, man, chest hair and belly hair, like north, south, no, all over my face. Like, it's not cute. It's not fun. It's disgusting. Yeah, and you're allowed to turn down roles with people who are not wearing rash guards, especially if they have a hairy chest. I just don't do it. It took one bad experience for me. I watched sweat from this dude's curled chest hair. That's how much chest hair he had, okay? It was curling. I watched it fall into my eye. (laughs) I was like, oh no. (laughs) Like it happened in slow motion. It was like, ah! Um, So it just took one time. Um, You know, my black belt right now, he rolls without a rash guard and his gave like covers most of his chest, but like there are times like um, it'll come open and I'll go to pass and like my ear will suction to his yes! sweaty chest. <laughs> and you're like, ugh, like it'll, it literally made my ear drain. Yeah. I've been sick. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes yeah. it hurts that like real good suction. You're like, ow. Yeah. And I was, I had to stop for a second. I was like, hold on one second. I have fluid coming out of my ear. Not sure if it's mine or yours, but yep. um, it's disgusting. You know, we went about the roll and it's fine. That's definitely like a personal choice for people. If you want to wear a rash guard or not, <laughs> but yeah, there is some uh, downside here's the opinion of women of of most women is we don't want your chest hair and chest body hair sweat going into and around our faces so we don't anyway <laughs> like yeah i mean if it's my husband it's one thing but he generally is wearing a rash guard it's same yeah same like my my fiance i don't care obviously <laughs> like on that same kind of like uniform etiquette there are gyms that their etiquette is to purchase and only wear in their gym their geese geese that have their patches or specific color geese i feel like most of these gyms are very uh old school and or competition driven because most of them sit on those IBJJF standards of like, it has to be a white, blue, or black gi. And the patches have to be in the place where it would be acceptable through IBJJF standard, not anywhere else. And like, if you wanted to get like one of those fun tie-dye gis, like it would be a head new, not here. Like you can go other, other places with it, but not here. And like, I haven't technically experienced that. Um, our father gym or our like, you know, main gym back home in Connecticut. It was like, if you were a member at that gym, you were expected to either have a gi from the gym or your gi should have a patch on it when you're training there. But I was from a sister gym. We were still under the same association. But when I came and trained, I could wear whatever gi I wanted and they didn't have to have the patch because I wasn't their student, which that's cool. They allow cross training, but I still thought it was a little culty like you said and like a little limiting because like what if I want like a different gi what if I want a cool gi what if I want like you know something that's not for competition yeah usually the brands that some gyms keep on hand I don't like and I would not purchase they don't fit your body yeah yeah, I think it's cool that gis are offered through gyms because then you can just have one right then and there instead of purchasing one waiting for it to come in 
Oh, that's but mandatory. Um, I think is different. Mandatory is is a lot different. I probably would not be training in an environment if I had to only wear a white, blue, or black gi. That's just not my cup of tea. Not knocking on gyms that require that, but yeah, it's it's a little culty. I don't I don't see the point of it other than to just nickel and dime everybody that walks through the door. And that's not what jujitsu needs to be about. Exactly. And I mean, like I personally, like, I mean, I would be like, I'm going to wear whatever gear I want. If you want to kick me out and not take my monthly membership because of it, then do you buddy. But, um, I, I personally think a lot of like a lot of the geese that I've seen that are like, gym geese especially when the gyms are like brand new they're ugly as shit <laughs> like they're yeah, the like, big huge patches on the whole shoulder with like the name of everything i'm just like ew my association that i was in i loved my geese that were from my association because i decided to purchase them and i got to pick which style i wanted and i got to choose my fit like it wasn't like here's the a zero through four and whether or not you fit in it good luck yeah you know but like I could also buy another gi and put my association patches on it because I wanted to like not because I was made to which I feel like if that's the culture cool like say hey we have patches if you want to represent here's a patch for your gi like here's give us 15 bucks for the patch and you get to represent us wherever you go and train and wherever you go and compete that's dope but Taking away that choice makes me a little, mm, don't like that, uh, red flag-ish for sure. And then I think like, I think this mat etiquette, I, I respect and I follow and I believe in it and I will not not do it. Even on my, I'm in my garage on our like Fuji mats that are just for home training and I do it here. Why I feel like it's a must, but bowing on and off the mats to me is like, like opening and closing the door to like, home life off the off the mat life and then mat life and I don't know why but for me that's like a ingrained like when I get on the mats I pay respect to the mats because that's where I put my time and effort in and you know where my life has that turn where I feel like I'm on the mats I'm this person now like I'm not home Alicia I'm not mom Alicia right now I'm Alicia you know here to train here to work myself here to learn new things and make myself a better jiu-jitsu practitioner so to me i love the on and off the mat bow it it sits back to the roots of where jiu-jitsu came from i'm a very like elitist person like i like a lot of the old school stuff i don't necessarily practice it anymore because other people don't around me but i like it because at the end of the day jiu-jitsu is for you but like it came from somewhere and i like honoring you know roots and heritage of things so to me, like, if that's the last thing you don't give up, I like the respect of, like, just a little leg slap and head tilt just when you get on the mat just to say, hey, this is where we do our thing and it's a place to be respected. Yeah, I agree. I'll bow once I come on, but I won't go on and off, like, do the bow thing. I think it's just, I don't know. I don't, it's not out of lack of respect for the mats. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm totally respectful of everybody on the mat and their space and all that fun stuff. I don't know. I think it was just something that I grew out of because, you know, I, at one point I didn't have a gym. I traveled. We, we bounced back and forth. We, we traveled so many, to so many places, you know, and every culture is different and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, 
But yeah, I don't really do the bow on and off the mats like I used to when I was a blue belt, but I do give it the the little the courtesy bow when I'm coming in at, at our new at my new gym. <laughs> they want they have a foot washing station and I don't know if it's like unresolved like sensory issues, but I absolutely hate <laughs> putting my feet in this foot washing station. So um I, uh, I guess I've started recently like bowing on the mat again because I stop and take a second to like look at my feet and I'm like, I don't want to put my feet into this, but I'm going to do it because I, re- I don't want my journey feet <laughs> on these mats. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I, I only ever had a problem with it when I was still a white belt, still back at home at my brand new gym because I was like, I make sure I do it every time other people should. So like when, um, when I was teaching kids, for instance, cause I feel like uh, once you're an adult, like, you know who you are, you know, right and wrong, right? Like you're supposed to anyway, I feel like when you're a kid, it's about structure, right? So when I was teaching kids classes, like I said, you bow on and off the mats, you make sure that's something you do because this is the structure of the sport. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, um, the turning away to tie your belt. I said, you know, I'm your instructor. You turn away from me to tie your belt. It's a respect thing because I want them to respect me. That's not an ego thing. That's a respect thing when it comes to children need to respect who they're learning from as long as they're a good person and treat the children right, of course, you know? And like, there's certain things that with an adult, it doesn't apply the same, obviously. Like, uh, but I think there's like the structure part of it is what I like. And like I said, it's not like a necessity. It's not like if you don't bow on the mat, you're a disrespectful asshole. It's just mentally for me, it's like, this is my place. I am here now. Boom. And I'm on, you know, like I'm, if I'm going off to get water, like sometimes I'll turn around and bow towards the mat. But like for the most part, I walk off and I walk back on, I bow when I get back on like a little head tilt, bam, good to go, you know, but like. That's just, I think it's person to person. Like it's gym to gym too. Cause like, you know, you might go and travel to another gym and walk right on the mat and you might have someone be like, Hey man, about when you get on the mat, you know? And like, if, if that's the case, I'd respect it. Cause you know, you're in a new place and that's their, that's their, uh, their way. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I definitely think it's just reading the room and feeling out the place that you're in. And if they want you to do it, that's fine too. If not, um, you know, it's all about your personal choice and your preferences, how you choose to uh, present yourself on and off the mat, close that, close the training session, all of that. Something else that's kind of unspoken, I feel like is if you come in late, I will have to like stand at the edge and raise my hand and I, I like ask to be brought onto the mats and that's just out of respect for my instructor to let them know hey I'm here I can talk to them for a second be like sorry traffic baby shit himself or something <laughs> just to let them know that I'm there and and all of that I am fortunate to train in a place where my instructors see me and they're happy that I'm there and it doesn't matter if I'm late we have very much uh, have a culture where it's we're just we just want you to come train doesn't matter what time you get there and I really like that, but I believe out of respect for your instructor, you should wait to the side and raise your hand and be called onto the mat. That's how I like people to do to me. So I try to return that favor. I agree. I, I honestly am the same way. And uh, it's gotten to the point where if I don't think I'm going to get there on time, because like I'm a very like time conscious, like if someone doesn't show up for me, it, it pisses me off 
it's just, I have control issues. I have OCD. It's a control thing, but I know if I feel that way, I wouldn't want to make someone else feel that way. So like, if I don't think I'm going to show up on time enough to like, at least be there to do warm ups, I'll just train at home. Mostly now with the baby, it makes things a lot harder with night classes and stuff. But I agree that when someone comes in late and it's like in the middle, like if we're in the middle of warmups, I just jump in. Um, but if we're in the middle of like instruction or, you know, like he's showing a move, then I agree you stand. You can watch. You can still see what's going on. But until he's done, you know, making his uh, point or showing his move or whatever it, it may be, um, I I think 100% you should wait and wait till be called on because that's his time and you should respect it, like general. like One of those circumstantial type things, I've actually witnessed an instructor look at his watch and as his, this is student raised her hand to come onto the mat, looked at his watch and this was probably 15 minutes into the class and he missed 15 minutes of class. So the instructor made him wait 15 minutes to come onto the mats. And then afterwards was like, you wasted my time. So I wasted yours. That's a fucking no go. And I would have ended my membership at that gym immediately. Yeah. I feel that when I was instructing kids, I would make, if they came in late, I would make them do uh, warm ups in like in a back corner by themselves until we were done with what we were doing. And usually it was during warm ups, but I would make them like do squats or do sit ups or do push ups or all three until we were done doing our warm ups that had been structured. Because I, you know, I'm like, you're here for structure. So, in an adult situation, like if they said, oh, you know, school ran late or I was doing my homework, they were just like, oh, I forgot my gi, you know, so my, my mom had to turn on and go back home or my belt, you know, I forgot my belt or I wasn't ready. Like, I'll ask. I'll be like, what's that? What up? Why are you late? And they'll be like, oh, I'll ask their parent, too. You know, be like, what? you know, like, are you were you not able to get here for or like, give me a, give me a good reason. If it was the kid's fault. We're making the kid understand that being punctual for things means something in life. So to me, that's a good structured thing for children, for adults. We have lives. We're adults. Um, we, you know, we're paying for it. We are, you know, constructing our own thing here. So it is different. And I think if you have an understanding with your instructor, it's a lot easier. Like I've said in the past, like our current instructor told us, you know, if you have to be late, because of something to do with the baby, like I'm fine with you coming in late, just show up. And that's great that he told us that. And it made me feel a lot more comfortable. Um, but I would never want to be late for a class. Like it's a, it's a big thing in, in my uh, personal, you know, infrastructure of who I am. But it is still nice to know that your instructors want you to be there and that they care about you and all of that. And, and again, that is also, um, part of mat etiquette as well as, you know, get to know your instructor, talk to them. They don't know. I think I've said this to you before. Your instructors don't know your personal goals unless you tell them. And that's what I love about, you know, my black belts here is they're like, you want to compete? Tell us. You you don't want to compete? You don't want to roll with anybody? Okay, tell us. If you don't want to roll with men? Tell me. They can't read our minds as much as we would like them to. <laughs> they can't. So yeah, just build a relationship with your instructor that is healthy. And I think this is a good segue into our next 
little topic that we wanted to talk about was the red flags when it comes to the instructors on the mats, which is a little controversial, I will say, but that's next time on Divinely Violent. Until then, stay safe out there and go commit divine acts of violence. See you ladies. Be sure to check us out on all of our social media pages. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Divinely Violent. We have a link tree in our bio that has links to our Spotify and Apple podcasts, as well as links to our first round of merch. Yay! We also have our email, divinelyviolentpodcast at gmail.com, where we will continue to accept and read submissions of any sort. We've added a Google Voice account for you lovely ladies to leave us messages to be included on the podcast. The number is 850 850- 816-0228. Participants will hear the submissions at the end of the podcast with a shout out or anonymous you decide. Please help us grow by supporting our podcast in whatever way you can, especially if you're enjoying it. Even if it's just a like and subscribe, we'll take any and all love from our beautiful listeners. Stay violent, ladies.